Welcome to episode number 11 of the Piracy Impact Podcast. I'm Michael Goff. And I'm Jason Swan. So Jason, very sad. This is your last recording from Paris. I know, I know. We, we had to wrap it up sooner or later. Yeah, but it was a really good one. And I, I was just saying, I think the most complete interview that we've done on this, who'd you talk to? We talked to Vinod Moza at Cadence. Great guy. Super polished. You know, put a lot of time and thought and effort into the compliance program, following really the lead in the corporate culture that that Cadence has as an organization. And you'll hear how he's you know really deconstructed how he should approach the leads, how he should approach customers versus prospects, how to escalate. So very thoughtful, and uh, I think our listeners will really truly enjoy it. Yeah, you can tell he has engineering in his blood. Like the way he approaches things, uh, he talks about measured escalations. Absolutely. Very detailed. So uh, Very detailed, but a super nice guy. Yep, and we've known him for a while. Yeah, it's been a number of years now. Pleasure to have him in Paris. Pleasure to have him as part of the group and getting some of his you know thoughts and ideas you know to the masses. So this is just a uh, compliment to that. Great. Looking forward to uh, everyone hearing it and getting their comments. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Piracy Impact. I am your host, Jason Swan, and we are broadcasting from the Revulitics Conference in Paris, France. I am joined today by Benoît Moza from Cadence Design Systems. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. Great to be here. Excellent. Good to have you. So you've been with Cadence for 12 years, been running compliance for almost five Oh, with Cadence, 19 years. 19 years. Yes. My apologies. That's a long time. Yes, that's right. So what brought you to Cadence? Oh, uh, well, I started uh, during the dot-com era. This was back in probably Y2K, even predating uh, dot-com, and uh, started on the technology side uh, and have been in different functions at Cadence, including marketing, planning, strategy, operations, you name it, and over the last five years have been leading compliance. You always been located in California, or did you move around for the company? No, in California. In California. Yes. And how did you transition from those operations roles? Oh, just opportunity, just finding out problems to fix or opportunities to realize for the company, and uh, that has been the operating mantra all my life. In five years in compliance, what have you learned in those five years? Oh boy, quite a lot. I can tell you, compared to all my previous stints, uh, this has been the most. Uh, uh, interesting journey so far. So uh, it uh, essentially tells you all aspects uh, related to, you know, technology, uh, process, negotiations, uh, realizing opportunities, and uh, it's been a very rewarding experience so far. And did Cadence start the program when you got involved or did they have a program that predated you? Uh, well, we had started actually integrating uh, the phone home technology. In fact, uh, we had partnered with Revolutics at that time. Uh, it was under a different banner. It was, yep. it was called VI Labs. Yep. Uh, in one of our product lines as a pilot, this was back in 2011-12. Okay. And... Uh, we were just starting to see and uh, figure out how to respond to the data that we had collected. And then I was brought into uh, program manage. Uh, and this was back in 2014, 15. Mm -hmm. And uh, we finally got to uh, formalize a function uh, called license compliance. Okay. And I was chartered to lead it. So, uh, 
And since then, the program has grown significantly as a result of uh, the increasing action uh, operations. We have scaled uh, significantly in all regions. Uh, we have closed cases in almost over 25 countries. Excellent. So uh, built a great network of partners uh, and leveraging the ecosystem here and generating great results for Cadence. Great. When you think back to some of those early years, what was the company's position on compliance when you first got started or even before they started collecting data? Well, that's an interesting question, Jason. So I think uh, we have always been confronted by these industry reports suggesting that uh, piracy is so pervasive. And uh, depending upon who you ask, there will be like, you know, quite significant numbers presented. Uh, although uh, those numbers necessarily did not relate to EDA, which mm -hmm. Cadence is part of as an industry, uh, but it was quite obvious by looking at the darknet that uh, we were also being impacted. So uh, I think the uh, key turning point for Cadence was once we were confronted with the data that it was real. And I think it is essentially putting the companies in a position where you have to act. You got to do something sure, about it. Sure. Right? And uh, as compliance owners, then you got to uh, respond and ask the questions as to uh, now, how do you want to deal with it? Mm -hmm. uh, it is a problem and it is an opportunity also. So. Uh, the typical questions as a uh, compliance owner you would be addressing would be, is this real? Is this 100% accurate? Because you're going to be confronting somebody. So yeah, you got to be careful. Confident, right? So, and how are you going to engage? Mm -hmm. Who are you going to engage? And what's going to be your negotiation strategy? What would you call like uh, success? Or what does the you know typical resolution look like? So you got to answer all those questions and that put us on a journey where we felt that data was just a very small part and mm -hmm. it has just started. So we had to answer all those questions and which brought us back to, um, you know, the guiding policy around, you got to have a compliance philosophy within the organization. Um, and you got to make sure that your organization and your executive team is aligned around that. So that's going to help, uh, which in my opinion, which did for me as well, uh, to define the finer aspects of the program so as to how do you approach compliance and which could be you know, unique to an organization. Sure, sure. But when you wanted to answer all those questions, who was the team that was assembled from Cadence to sit down and discuss all of those questions that you reference? So uh, I put together a steering committee of cross-functional representatives and we reached out to a lot of uh, other people, including our uh, competitors, you know, who had been running programs for a while. Uh, we tried to understand who was doing what, what was working and what was not, why that was the case. And uh, in fact, we were very uh, pleasantly surprised that there was so much information available out there in the field uh, and leveraging that whole network, 
uh, we were able to come together as a team at Cadence uh, and figure out how we want to approach compliance. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, which still continues to be the guiding principle is uh, helping customers achieve compliance. And I can tell you more, you know, uh, maybe, you know, what that means. But that that. essentially uh, helped us identify, you know, how we want to approach this whole exercise. So would you say the program is not so much a monetization program as it is uh, making sure the customers have the right technology, making sure that technology is... You know, owned and operated and delivered by Cadence and doesn't bring malware and some of the other issues that pirated software brings to a customer? Uh, well, it's actually a combination, Jason. Okay. So for us, obviously, uh, I wanted to make sure that this was not necess- necessarily getting reduced to good hygiene. Okay. Because at the end of the day, if compliance programs have to sustain and survive and uh, be productive, uh, it has there has to be a monetization element sure. associated with it, and uh, the best part of our experience so far has been that we have been able to do well on all these fronts. So uh, it has been uh, a re- rewarding experience, um, you know, revenue-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have been able to convert hundreds of uh, non-compliant organizations into paying customers. Uh, as well as we have been able to build relationships with those customers. And over the five years you've been running the program, what have been some of the challenges you faced? Oh, great deal of challenges because this operation by itself is quite unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, from uh, you know all the way seeking alignment educating uh, you know people the key stakeholders within the organization uh, ensuring that in how you exercise compliance and to be more specific how do you approach an infringing organization who might be your existing customer so uh, who do you engage and how do you align all the different stakeholders who might be party to uh, that relationship mm-hmm. uh, and as and when, you know, although we try to minimize escalations, uh, but given the nature of the business, it is inevitable. So you have some cases where, you know, the organizations necessarily don't respond favorably and you have to seek, you know, uh, legal recourse. Mm-hmm. So how do you uh, exercise those options and how do you manage escalations? Uh, for us, you know, even it has been very few, but uh, we had to, uh, you know, file cases yep. against some of the organizations, and some of that information is now public. Uh, quite, you know, uh, uh, enriching experience there mm-hmm. as well. But uh, all those have been challenges that we had to overcome um, as we tried to answer and figure out how do we want to. Uh, run an effective program. Yeah, you mentioned the parameters that you initially put in place. I guess the drivers or a mission statement behind what kind of program you might be. Precisely. So when you do embark on kind of a legal case, had you already pre-thought about escalating or was that something you just, as the program evolved, you addressed? That's a good point. I mean, you know, although it was in the back of our mind, but we necessarily didn't want to raise any red flags sure. to begin yeah. with. And uh, how I 
approached it was to uh, you know establish some proof points that there was certainly merit in this mm-hmm. uh, program and we can exercise it uh, and uh, generate good returns mm-hmm. and then subsequently get to the point where if we had to which we did <laughs> at some point had to resort to uh, you know some measured escalations the uh, you know the stakeholders were supportive of that okay uh, so i would say that uh, in, uh, maybe to characterize it is it has been an evolutionary and a measured approach to compliance and what are the trends that you see now you know having so much experience that you do today you mentioned 25 countries mm-hmm. hundreds of transactions and settlements are there any trends that have been evolving over the years uh, certainly, I would say that, I mean, you know, five years is still limited. Uh, I see companies who have been exercising successful compliance programs over decades. Uh, but even in my limited experience, I think that uh, there is a transformation underway. Uh, what I have experienced is, you know, uh, unlike, you know, uh, myths and traditional uh, you know, uh, uh, ways of thinking that uh, it is a risky proposition and, you know, you might end up doing more damage than good has not been the case. Okay. So uh, for me, it has been quite uh, comforting to see that there is a growing uh, acknowledgement and acceptance around compliance within the industry even within some of the so-called or perceived difficult geographies. Okay. And uh, we have been uh, greatly successful, to a great degree, uh, successful in those regions in converting you know, unauthorized use um, and generating material results there. So a uh, great part of that, I believe, is also attributed to the fact that uh, there's a whole ecosystem getting built around compliance and thanks to you know companies like uh, yourselves uh, that are providing that platform for all the partners to come together and not just providing technologies but you know uh, sharing experiences and sharing you know providing uh, resources in order to exercise successful programs so uh, that has certainly helped, and that's what I see is continuing to expand, and should be certainly a, a good uh, uh, factor to drive further growth in compliance worldwide. That's really good to hear. I'm sure our listeners will be encouraged by that. Sentiment. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, Jason, it's. Uh, very interesting for probably all of us to realize that even though within the software uh, industry we might be competitors but on the compliance side we are uh, very much collaborating and in fact cadence is partnering with uh, one of our you know key competitors out there in sharing best practices and figuring out how we can address compliance together yeah and helping the industry and helping our customers together. For any of you pirates that are listening out there, we're coming. We're coming together. To help you. (laughs) 
to help you to yes. clean up your environment to Absolutely. get legitimate technology. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it good. It is to keep them, you know, uh, safe and uh, to keep their environments uh, sanitized and, uh, you know, level the playing field out there. Yeah, good corporate ethics. Absolutely. Yeah. Any advice for any listeners out there that are embarking on a compliance journey? Well, I am still, I guess, young in the industry, but I uh, can't say that I have advice to offer. <laughs> I would suggest that maybe, uh, in my humble opinion, a uh, few tips that I can offer from my experience. One is to the organizations that are instituting compliance programs to take a strategic view and make sure that it doesn't get reduced to a fringe function and uh, become a quota filling exercise for the sales organization. I think yep, compliance presents a significant material opportunity and can be realized uh, with great deal of confidence given now we have experience within the industry. So certainly that aspect of that which organizations can you know take to heart. Second is I believe for the compliance owners within the industry that uh, guys don't rush and uh, figure out what works for you even though there might be experts out there uh, selling playbooks mm -hmm. I can tell you from my experience there isn't one and if somebody is claiming uh, then it's not true <laughs> so figure out what best works for you and make sure that you are seeking absolute alignment within the ranks of the management uh, uh, highest levels of your executive team uh, and especially within sales management and legal to exercise an effective program third point maybe for the enforcement uh, officers on the front lines to be patient and uh, figure out you know what are the best strategies that you need to employ to uh, come to a resolution because there's a whole scale of possibilities out there when you engage with an infringing organization and a lot of negotiation strategies I mean there are a lot of books out there mm -hmm. the yes and negotiating without impact but my favorite uh, maybe if at all you're interested is uh, it's a Harvard Business Review book called uh, 3D Negotiations. Okay. And it talks about, you know, how you can approach negotiation employing a whole slew of uh, paradigms and how much pre-work is needed and how you can be more strategic about, uh, you know, uh, effecting an outcome that can be beneficial to both parties. And the pre-work is research? Uh, well, not just research about, you know, uh, designing a negotiation, the setup of the whole thing when you are engaging with the customers. Think about what it could be a win-win situation. Okay. So trying to understand their desires, their needs. Absolutely. Yep. Because at the end of the day, Jason, you know, we are here to serve our customers. Mm -hmm. And we are here to, uh, you know, help them achieve their goals. And we want them to be successful. Absolutely. So, and all the work that we are doing through the compliance should not come at the expense of those objectives. Sure. Final question for me. 
you've done a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Any crazy stories of settlements or engagements that have happened out there that you'd want to talk about? Oh my God, don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> so um, maybe uh, just to illustrate the whole spectrum of the experiences one can have. I mean, we have had several cases where we approached the organization and found that they were much more forthcoming and shared with us a lot more than what we had regarded. And we had good resolution, good settlements with them. On one end and on the other end where organizations where we knew were infringing extensively and we had to you know employ aggressive measures we had to conduct raids and uh, which were very successful Mm -hmm. and uh, we recovered a great deal of evidence and uh, we are still going through the motions of convincing (laughs) them that you know they need our software and they need to settle so a lot of stories uh, you know there to share uh, and I think, you know, that would be typically the case with every enforcement officer and every compliance owner. Yeah, we certainly hear that a lot. Well, Vinod, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Jason. It's always a pleasure. Yep. This is another episode of Piracy Impact, signing off from Paris, France. Take care, everybody. This has been episode number 11 of the Piracy Impact podcast from Revulitics with your hosts, Jason Swan and me, Michael Goff. Special thanks to Vinod Moza from Cadence Design Systems for joining us, and thank you for listening. We appreciate you subscribing to and rating this podcast wherever you listen. Adding a rating and review helps other software license compliance professionals find our podcast. You can also continue the conversation on social media. Please follow us on Twitter, at Revulitics, and share your comments and questions with hashtag PiracyImpact. You can also learn more about Revulitics and how we've supported customers' compliance programs generate more than $2.4 billion in new license revenue since 2010 at www.revulitics.com.